Good morning, everyone. I'd like to invite you to open up your Bibles to the book of First Peter. We're going to be in First Peter chapter 1, focusing our attention on verses 14 through 17, but we'll read 13 through uh, 21 this morning to get the context of where we are in the book of First Peter. Now, uh, each week at the top of your bulletin, there's a, uh, a phrase up there that uh, after a while, maybe it just becomes part of the background noise. Uh, you might hear this phrase spoken. You might even see it up on the, the walls around the church. And it is our mission that we seek the renewing of lives through God's compelling love in Lynchburg and the world. We desire here at Rivermont to see lives renewed, to see lives changed. This is our family way. The family of Rivermont desires to see lives changed through the power of God's love in Christ Jesus. This morning, as we turn our attention to God's word, we see a very concrete way in which lives are to be renewed according to God's word, how we are called as a people out of this world into a new family, into a new nation as elect exiles to resemble the family of God. As we turn our attention to God's word this morning, see if you can pick out what it is that the family resemblance is to be and how our lives are to be renewed through God's love. Hear now the word of the Lord. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear. Throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. This is His holy Word for us His people. Let us go to Him in prayer. Father God, we come to You now with such boldness to call You Father that we might even proclaim that we are children of the Most High. But we do. We come as children to a Father. And we ask, O Lord, that in this hour, that You would speak to us, Your children, that we might grow more and more to be like You, that our lives might be renewed, that we might be like Christ. It's in His holy name that we do pray. 
Amen. There is no denying whose boy that is. I heard this statement multiple times growing up when I was introduced to an adult for the first time. They would look at me and then they would look at my stepmom and say, there's no denying whose boy that is. Now, most of the time, my stepmother, Nancy, and I would just allow this to be our private joke and move on. Although, in fact, we were not blood related at all. However, these comments were not without some warrant. While I was not Nancy's biological son, I spent much of my childhood with her. And inevitably, over time, anyone will begin to pick up behaviors, ways of speaking, ways of expression that create a family resemblance. Over time, our thoughts, our actions are molded after those that we spend our life with. In our passage for this morning, the Apostle Peter is calling the church to pursue such a family resemblance. Thoughts and behaviors that are molded not after our earthly families, but after our heavenly family. Not after what Peter says in verse 18, the futile ways inherited from our forefathers, but after the character and behavior of our heavenly Father. And the one overriding characteristic of this new family, the one overarching term that can be used to describe this new family resemblance is holiness. As verse 15 says, as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Jerry Bridges, in his book, The Pursuit of Holiness, defines it as a life in conformity to the moral precepts of the Bible and in contrast to the sinful ways of the world. Or as I have heard holiness defined elsewhere, a life that is lived out of loving what God loves and hating what God hates. You see, holiness is not so shallow that it can be reduced to a list of do's and don'ts. It's not so simple that we can produce it apart from God's grace, but it is so essential that no one can claim to be a part of the family without growing toward it. Holiness is what Peter is calling all Christians to, to put off loving the ways of the world and to put on a love for the ways of Christ. And if you are a part of this new family, if you have been brought into this kingdom, if you are a citizen of the world that is to come, then you must begin to take on the family resemblance of holiness. This morning we are going to look at four ways that Peter calls us to pursue holiness. So that when people meet you as a Christian, when they see your life, when they hear your words, when they see your actions, when they perceive what you love, they will say, there is no denying whose child this is. Now the first thing that we need to grow in holiness And really, the foundation upon which holiness is built is coming to know our identity as a child adopted by the love of God, our Father. We must know who we are as a part of the family before we can grow to be like the family. 
Look at how verse 14 begins as we read verses 14 and 15. Look at the foundation of the commandments that we see in these verses. It begins as obedient children. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Put off the former passions and put on holiness of life. But how? As obedient children. Holiness of life has to begin with this rock solid foundation of your identity in God. To love what God loves, you must begin with the wonderfully transforming truth that God loves you as a father loves his child. As we've already seen in verse 3 of chapter 1, God the Father, by His great mercy and love, is the one who caused us to be born again into His family. Through the work of Christ and the power of the Spirit, He has caused us to be adopted into the family of God. And by virtue of your adoption, you've been given the right to all the privileges of a son, including an inheritance in the world that is to come. Adoption into the family of God is not based upon your work. It's not based upon your holiness. Quite the opposite. For God shows His love for us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, before we go forward in our discussion of holiness, we have to begin with this firm foundation, with this truth. The security of your identity as a child of God is not based upon holiness, but rather upon God's unconditional love for you in Christ alone. You are a part of the family by virtue of your adoption, not by virtue of your holiness. Now, the process to adopt a child is often a long and arduous journey. It usually begins with a desire to bring a child into your home. And for Christians, of course, that would include earnest prayer, seeking the Lord's desire for your family. And then the paperwork begins. And then the home evaluations. And then the physical evaluations. For international adoptions, there's often multiple trips that are required. And money and court proceedings. Do you know that the child that is to be adopted, though, has nothing to do with all of this groundwork that goes in before. Reverend David Platt explains about the adoption of his son Caleb, that even before Caleb was conceived, he and his wife were praying for their future son. Before his mother abandoned him, they were filling out work to receive him. While he lay in the crib of an orphanage with no mother to hold him, his future adoptive mother and father were working with all that they had to bring this child home that they might hold him. There was nothing that their future son did to receive his adoption. There was no work that this infant could do to secure a family for himself. He was completely hopeless, but he was pursued and he was loved and desired. And ultimately, he was made a son by the will of his parents. And do you wonder why God has chosen to explain the gospel with such a word as adoption? 
There is nothing that we could do to secure a place in the family of God. But as Paul says in Ephesians 1, God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons. You see, if you would be holy, you must begin with this foundational reality. You were chosen and loved before the foundation of the world. You were adopted as a son, not because you were holy, but rather that you should be brought into the family and become holy. You see, the family resemblance begins by being brought into the family and knowing that you are first a son of God's love. So to grow in holiness, you must know your heavenly Father. You must know that He has adopted you into His family. And in knowing that, you must know that you are His child. The second thing that we see in our text for this morning is that if you would grow in holiness, you must obey your heavenly Father. Look again at verses 14 and 15. We read, As obedient children... Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. As those who are adopted into the family of God, we must live by the rules of our Heavenly Father. You see, there are behaviors that were rooted in the passions of your former ignorance, as Peter says. And if we would grow in holiness, we must leave aside the lifestyle that was handed down to us by our forefathers. We must leave aside the way that we used to live. And through knowledge of God's word, we must begin to walk in obedience. Obedience to our heavenly father is not an option in the Christian life. It is a requirement. And the Scriptures give to us all the words that we need to know to obey God. Now, by no means is the Bible a list of rules, a catalog of do's and don'ts and moralistic teachings. The Gospel is not adoption according to achievement. Nevertheless, we miss a major aspect of the Word of God if we neglect the reality that there are lists of do's and don'ts in God's Word. There are commandments that we are called to obey. There are behaviors that we are called to put off. And there are loves that we are called to put on. And any version of Christianity that wants to use the Gospel to stiff-arm God's requirements for obedience and holiness is misguided at best and downright from the enemy at worst. If we would grow in holiness, if we would grow in resemblance to the family of God, then we must obey the commands of God's Word. And if you ever find yourself using the Gospel or your adoption as an excuse to sin, then you don't understand the Gospel. For is it not to free us from sin into holiness? Now, I know that there are many of you who come from backgrounds that could be described as fundamentalist or even legalistic. 
And it makes you nervous. You feel a little nervous. I thought this was a Presbyterian church. Right? We're reformed. Makes you a little nervous to hear a call to holiness because it conjures up ideas of unbending lists that you may, what you may and may not watch. Blacklisted musicians and authors and general attitudes like don't drink, smoke, or chew, or go with girls or boys who do. But the problem, you get this, the problem with the whole fundamentalist project and legalism in general is not that it goes too far with holiness, but that it stops short of true holiness. It's satisfied with outward holiness. It's satisfied with outward rules. But God desires His children to be obedient from the heart for holiness to arise out of who we are. God desires His children to be changed so that it is their desire to honor Him. That you would have a heart of holiness. You are in a new family through Christ. So don't let your behavior be molded by your former ignorance, by your former family, by your former nationality, but be obedient children who seek to do the will of their Father. To go to His Word and by the power of the Spirit to obey His Word. So to grow in holiness, we must know who our Heavenly Father is. We must obey our Father. And the third thing we see in our text is that we must imitate our Father. That is, we must seek to be like our Heavenly Father. Verses 15 and 16 of your text, look there and see what it says to us. It says, As He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. When I was a little boy, like so many little boys, I wanted to be like my dad. I mean, he was a pretty cool dude. He was in the army. I'm pretty sure the communists didn't invade West Germany because they heard my dad was controlling the border there. He climbed mountains. He played basketball. He got promotions. He got medals during ceremonies. He was awesome. And so as a little boy, I wanted to be like him. And so I wore camo whenever I could. And I got all the promotions that I could buy at the local PX. I played war in the woods. I played basketball as long as I could. I tried to be like my dad. And God has designed us to imitate He's given us a desire to copy the behaviors of those whom we love and those who love us. And the Lord is revealing to us, if we would grow in holiness, we must imitate Him. We must seek to be holy as He is holy. For many of us in this room, sadly, can't say that they wanted to be like their father and didn't receive love from their father. But if you 
have been called by Christ and you come here this morning God as with God as your Father, then you must know that you are called to imitate this Father who loves you. To be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. And the Lord is revealing to us if we would grow in holiness, if we would grow in the resemblance of our family, we must seek to be like our God. The Word of God tells us that we were created originally in the image of God. Right? God made us to be like Him. But by the fall, that image has been marred. And sin has corrupted our likeness to God. And therefore, salvation is aimed at restoring that image within God's people. Jesus, the very image of God, the exact imprint of His nature, came to redeem a people so that we might be recreated into the image of God. Listen to Romans chapter 8. It says, For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined. Why did He predestine us? To be conformed to the image of His Son. And so if you would grow in holiness, you must imitate the behavior of your new heavenly family. You must be conformed into the holiness of the Father. You must be conformed into the image of the Son. You must look like the holiness of God in His Word and seek to grow in likeness to the Son of God, Jesus Christ. This is the family resemblance. This is what we are called to be like. Holy as God is holy. So to grow in holiness, we must know our Heavenly Father. We must obey our Heavenly Father. We must imitate our Heavenly Father. And the final thing from our text that we'll see this morning is that if we would grow in holiness, we must properly fear our Heavenly Father. Look at verse 17. It says, If you called on Him as Father, right? He is your Father, you are His child, you are in that relationship of a father to a child. If you call on Him as Father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear. Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Sometimes it's difficult for us to understand the connection between our absolute forgiveness and eternal security in Christ and the clear biblical teaching that we will be judged by God according to what we do. We must understand that there will be a day when each and every single one of our deeds will be judged by God. The secret motives of the heart will be exposed and the depth of our sin will be revealed. There'll be no excuses. There'll be no hiding. There'll be no bias or partiality shown based upon heritage, position, title, or power for our Father judges impartially. And the exacting nature of God's all-seeing eye will bring to light all that has been hidden. All the false gods will be revealed. 
All the times that God's name was taken in vain will be exposed. All forgetfulness of the Sabbath. All rebellion against our parents. All murderous thoughts. All adulterous looks. All goods acquired maliciously. All half-truths and outright lies. All covetous desires. All love of what God hates and all hate of what God loves will be revealed on the day of judgment. And the terrible wrath of God will be known. And the fury of His anger towards those who would rebel against His holiness will be executed to the uttermost. And in that moment, we will be confronted for the first time with the true guilt and vile nature of our own sin and our rebellion and hatred of God. And we'll see that eternal punishment is what we justly deserve. But O child of God, eternally beloved of the Father, it is in that moment that we will also for the first time see the extent of the love of Christ. It will be at that time that we will see for the first time what it meant that Christ took our place and died our death. It will be at the judgment that we will see what it means that Christ absorbed the wrath of God and poured out His blood for our pardon. For in the moment of our judgment, when our sin is exposed, it will be shown that we deserve the eternal fire of God's wrath. But in that moment, we will see for the first time what it means that Christ, our brother, paid that price fully. And we will know the depth of the love of God for us. And we will know what it means that Christ poured out His life that we might live. How could you not fear such a holy, just, and loving Father? How could you not pursue holiness in this life in light of what is to come? For we are in a time of exile, as Peter says, but it is a short time and soon the judgment will come. To grow in holiness, we must live with an eye ever to the future return of Christ and the judgment that is to come. For the Christian fear of God is not that we're going to be kicked out of the family. It's not that we will ever lose our salvation or that we will have to suffer the wrath of God because of our sin. That's not why we fear God. We have already established that we are eternally secure. We do not fear God because we are scared of Him. We fear Him because we love Him. And we love Him with such intensity that we desire never to rebel against our Father again. Fear rebelling against the Father that you love. And maybe even more than that, we fear Him for despite our sin and rebellion, He has loved us. We do not fear God because we are scared of Him. But we fear Him because He has loved us. And because we love Him. I have a good friend who's originally from Warner Robins, Georgia. And when I met him 20 years ago, You could tell that he was from Warner Robins, Georgia, or at least from middle Georgia. We met freshman year of college, and I remember he had the faded boot cut jeans of the time. His 
long floppy hair and an old Banana Republic t-shirt. That was the uniform of middle Georgia college students. And we stayed good friends throughout college and ended up going to seminary together at RTS, Reformed Theological Seminary in Charlotte. And following graduation, he and his wife accepted a call with Surge Missions to be a part of a church planning movement in Prague. Recently, I received a support letter from my friend. And after being there in the Czech Republic for nine years, he doesn't look like he is from Georgia anymore. He looks Czech. After living there for nine years, he looks different. His hair is all styled up in some fancy European way. He's wearing dark skinny jeans and lots of black. And he looks cool. (laughs) If I saw him walking down the streets, I would assume that he was just another local Czech. And this is what God is calling his people to be like. right? Not to change the outward look, but to be conformed to the ways of a new family a new country, a new nation, a new people. The ways of our old culture were disobedience and sin, but the way of elect exiles is obedience and holiness. This is the family resemblance. This is the national heritage that we are called to. Now, growth and holiness is a process. It takes time and we'll never be done growing in likeness to our heavenly father on this side of heaven. But I wonder, would your friends look at your life and say, you know, when I met him 20 years ago, he was a much different person than he is now. There is no doubt that he has been changed. Holiness is what we must pursue because it is what we have been born into. It is truly our family resemblance. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us go now to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we come to you now in this time. Confessing that so often we do not live up to our family heritage. That so often we live lives as sons of earth and not of sons of God. And so we ask, we call out to you that you would renew in our minds a knowledge of your adoptive love for us. That we would come to you as children to a father. We pray, O God, that you would take from us a love of sin and give to us a love for holiness. We pray, O God, that we would seek and search Your Word, that we might obey Your commands. We pray, O God, that You would change our hearts, that we would love what You love. And Father, we pray that You would give to us a holy reverence, a holy fear, that we might know the depth of Your love for us in Christ and that it might cause us to tremble. We pray, O God, that you would renew our lives through Christ Jesus our Lord. It's in his name that we do pray. Amen.